Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is the number one podcast for men in their 40s who want to improve their health through nutrition and fitness. This is episode 102, and on today's episode, we are talking with Dana Santos, aka the Mobility Maker. Dana was a pioneer in bringing yoga-inspired mobility training into professional sport. She is CNN's health expert and has a passion for empowering people to breathe, move and feel better. Dana shares her experience through mentorship, lectures, interviews and social media with a hope to inspire others. Hi Dana, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. No, thanks for, for giving us your time to come onto the podcast. So um, I love your um, also known as the Mobility Maker and you've got an awesome YouTube channel. So for people that haven't come across you before, Dana, before we get obviously get into the podcast, can you kind of give us a bit of background on you and how you've come to, to kind of be where you're at today? Oh, sure. Uh, well, it's been almost two decades. And whenever I say that, it makes me feel very old. Um, <laughs> But it's been almost two decades since I initially had this idea that I wanted to bring yoga into professional sports here in the U.S. And um, that quickly uh, developed into something much more than yoga because as much as that was a very good idea because movement really, unbelievably so, movement and mobility uh, and focusing on um, the precise aspects of, of how we move, it really wasn't a focus in professional sports 20 right. years ago. Yeah. And especially in, uh, I do a lot of work in Major League Baseball. Uh, it, it wasn't really focused on in baseball. I mean, it actually, uh, I would say that that was one of the reasons that I got into uh, MLB so quickly was because it just, it was, it was a hole. It was a piece that was missing. But then once I got in, I realized that traditional yoga as we know it and we experience it, and there are so many different kinds. But when I say traditional yoga, I mean the yoga that you would get if you go into a studio that just doesn't, doesn't really fit in yeah. professional sports with the schedules um, that these athletes have. And honestly, with most of us, one of the things that is kind of off-putting for yoga is that you have to set aside an entire hour or 75 minutes, and that can become overwhelming and definitely tough to sustain, you know, when, if you have kids and and careers and lives, so never mind just being a professional athlete. So quickly, I realized that I had to be more um, efficient and effective in how I was addressing movement uh, for these players. And so that led me to do all kinds of training in biomechanics. Uh, and everybody seems to have an acronym. And so some people might be familiar with, um, FMS, which is functional movement systems. Um, and so that was one of the first things that I I took a look at, and that's very much, um, kind of yoga based. If you look at their corrective exercises, they look very much like yoga movements. So that resonated a lot with me. But then um, TPI, which is Titleist Performance Institute, I do a lot of work in the PGA okay. as well. And so that really started getting me looking more at um, rotational sports and in right. the biomechanics of rotation. And so that was that was very cool. But then the thing that really changed how I address movement um, from start to finish is something called PRI. I told you it's all acronyms. <laughs> so, and that's the Postural Restoration Institute. And with them, I went deep down a rabbit hole on what respiration is and how the act of breathing is actually a movement pattern. Right. And that that you know took me. Uh, pretty far away from a lot of what I had learned in, in yoga. And most people think, oh, well, yoga gave you a good base for understanding breathing, but not really, no, because 
yoga is a very old practice that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, began some say as long ago as 5,000 years ago, we couldn't look inside the body, at least not while we were alive at that yeah. point, right? And so we didn't really understand this amazing thing that was happening with breathing um, other than what we could kind of feel, but we didn't know what the biomechanics were behind it. And now we actually do. Mm. And so some of the, the yoga cues like breathe into your belly, which I know you've probably heard most yeah. of your audience has heard very well-intentioned, but not biomechanically correct. I mean, we right. know clearly on the surface that, that no one can breathe into their belly. Uh, when you take air in, if it does go into your belly, then that's gas and that's going to come out a completely <laughs> different way. Right. Yeah. So you can only ever breathe into your, your lungs. Um, but I, I definitely want to get into that and what that means for your audience a little mm. later, but just letting you know that how my career evolved. Um, once I started to understand breathing as a movement pattern, I started to bring that into professional sports. And really that's when my career took off because uh, that was something that they weren't looking at. Right. And it has a profound impact, not just on um, your mental performance mm -hmm. and your ability to self-regulate. Um, and yeah. most people kind of understand that, right? When we get stressed, you should yeah. take a deep breath. But again, a little later, I want to explain to you what that really means because a deep breath and an inhale actually can stimulate your sympathetic nervous system more yeah. of that fight or flight as opposed to the exhale, which really is what helps downregulate us. So giving empowering people with the understanding of how to leverage their breathing for, um, for mental performance was huge. But then there was this other piece that is really exciting too, which is being able to leverage your breathing for better posture and better movement right. and the elimination yep. of chronic pain. There really is no other controllable movement pattern that we do more on a daily basis than breathing. And it impacts virtually everything. So yeah. all the systems of our body. So it is, it's literally a superpower. Yeah. So here I was now going into all these teams um, and, and sharing the superpower with them. And that's, that's basically what I've been doing. And, and right. along the way, um, I, I, it was actually the, the athletic trainer at the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, which is a, a U.S. hockey team. And they actually just won the Stanley Cup last season. Cool. And I've worked with them since 2011. But it was the, the athletic trainer there who said, well, you definitely don't do yoga. So we don't want to call you the yoga person anymore. <laughs> You're the mobility maker. Yeah. And that stuck. Um, oh, it stuck cool. so much. Yeah. yeah. That... Um, that that's my social media handle. And I think some people don't even know my real name. I know that one person <laughs> once when I was traveling, not last year, because I don't think any of us traveled last year, but the year before someone ran up to me in an airport and they were yelling mobility maker, mobility maker. Can I take a picture with you? Uh, and I, I don't think they knew my real name. So that's how my career has evolved. Yeah. I mean, it's super, super interesting for the simple reason of the, the two being brought together. So in the fitness and uh, kind of movement space at the moment, there's a lot being talking about functional movement and movement, moving more. And then there's a lot being spoken about breathing and breath work, but I've not come across anyone who's kind of molded the two like you have. And so that's why I think it's super, super interesting because just those on their own, the functional movement and the breath work are quite profound, but, but clearly putting them together is like you say, a superpower. So let, let's kind of take it back a little bit then, because the, the funny thing is when I talk to people about breathing and breath work, they kind of look at you really strangely. And they're like, well, of course we know how to breathe. We breathe every day. We'll die if we didn't breathe. But no, I think the majority of us, I truly believe this now, don't know how to breathe properly. Uh, and to take your point that you said there earlier about deep breaths, I've recently learned that kind of doing the deep breath is not the most efficient way to breathe. Uh, and it, it doesn't really do that much good. So obviously you're, you're missing on breathing. Where would you say, or what would you say are the key principles of breathing and breath work before we get onto the, the mobility side of things? Well, I think 
Oh, you've made so many good points and, um, and said things that I've heard over and over. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm alive, aren't I? I so obviously yeah. I know how to breathe. I, yeah. That's, that's an objection that I've come across quite a few times. Um, it doesn't mean you're breathing well. And, and you also mentioned, you know, people know that if you're not breathing, you're dead. Yeah. So that's a no brainer. I, you don't have to explain that to anyone. They understand that you have to breathe to live, but what people tend to miss is that there is a direct correlation between the quality of your breathing and the quality of your life, right. because breathing has an impact on all of the systems of our body. It is the only aspect of our autonomic nervous system that we can actually take control of when mm -hmm. we're not thinking about it. It happens automatically yeah. to keep us alive, but there's a reason that we can control it. And through that control, we can access all of those other systems and optimize them as well because breathing has an influence. So you can use your breathing to, and I had said this before, to downregulate. And, and the way that we do that is by controlling our breathing, we can then lower our blood pressure and our right. heart rate and inhibit our stress response. Those are powerful things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I think having people first is the understanding, being empowered with the understanding of, of truly how powerful this is. Yeah. That's, that's the first part. The second part is understanding what it means. You know, I, you see t-shirts, people, people have sent me the t-shirts that say, just breathe. And yeah. what a useless piece of advice, <laughs> you know? because if you don't know how, or if somewhere along the way, because you're a human being and you've experienced an injury, an illness, or chronic stress, your breathing pattern has been knocked out of whack. Again, this is one of the reasons why we have the access to take control of it, because then we have to, we have to retrain it to be optimal. Yeah right? So it, it's been knocked out of whack. If, if our car, if the, if the tires get knocked out of alignment, we don't say, well, this is just how my car drives now. No, we take it in and we get it realigned. So the same thing will happen with our breathing and we just need to retrain it to be optimal. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the, the understanding how to do that though is important. It's not just breathe because no. if you just breathe, you're going to be stuck in that same pattern. Yeah. And, and I think, Go yeah, ahead. sorry to, to kind of cut you off there, but just, just quickly, I wanted to make the point of that conscious awareness is profound. When you are consciously aware of how you are or not breathing efficiently and you change that, it has such a, a, a massive effect. Yes, absolutely. So going back to um, your really great question about what are these, these key points, um, so the first one that I'm sure a lot of people have heard about is the importance of breathing in through our noses and uh, breathing in and out is, is excellent. Breathing, when you breathe out of your um, nose, you can better control the pace of the exhale, but breathing out of your nose is not as important as breathing in through your nose because we, um, when we inhale through our noses, our paranasal sinuses express nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator. And all of that I know sounds like gobbledygook to some people, but <laughs> so what it is, is it's, it's um, helping to increase oxygenation. So right. it's actually making your inhale that much more effective, mm -hmm. but then, um, and, and people can do their own research on this, but if they were to look up, you know, what, what is nitric oxide's um, impact on the body? it also has an impact on all of the systems of the body. Um, so it's something that we actually need and, and it really is helpful for the health of all of these systems that are part of the autonomic nervous system. So, so you, it, people can look up nitric oxide on their own because there are those other benefits, but when you're thinking about it just in terms of breathing, we want that because it's going to make that inhale much more e efficient and effective. Now, so that would be nasal breathing being the first point. The second point is let's get rid of that, that idea that we're trying to breathe into our bellies because right. it's just anatomically completely incorrect. Right. <laughs> um, but that's just not how the biomechanics work. So there are three things that I want people to think about um, in terms of their breathing. So that would be lungs. The mm -hmm. only place that we can put air during respiration is our lungs. 
So lungs, rib cage, and diaphragm. Mm -hmm. And generally people don't think about the rib cage, right? They, when they're thinking about breathing, it's, it's diaphragm, but they don't really understand what that muscle is, what it looks like, how it functions. So that's important again, too, to empower people with this understanding. And it's not that complex. It really isn't. The diaphragm is a skeletal muscle. That's important too, because people think about it as like, like the heart, is it a cardiac muscle? Or they think about it like an organ, like the diaphragm is an organ. No, the diaphragm is a skeletal muscle. Your bicep is a skeletal muscle. It contracts and it relaxes and it acts on bone. Like, so if we go back to our bicep, we know that our bicep flexes our elbow. When we contract our bicep, you bend your arm. It's, it's pretty simple. Okay. Well, with the diaphragm, when the diaphragm contracts, your ribs externally rotate. So your ribs actually move out. That's part of the diaphragm contraction. When the diaphragm relaxes, your ribs, which are the bones that the, the diaphragm is attached to, they actually come toward, in towards each other. They internally rotate. So just to give you a better visual, and actually people could put their hands on their lower ribs, we have that yep. infrasternal angle there, yep. that split between our ribs. That's because those ribs right there are designed to move. And that's where your diaphragm is, where your diaphragm right. is housed in that area. So on the inhale, as the diaphragm flattens and comes down and contracts, in order for it to flatten, because on the exhale, it's a dome, to flatten, those ribs are kind of, think about it like a pulling apart. Right, so those, okay, yeah. Those ribs are coming apart. The ribs are also coming apart because your lungs are inflating, right? So you, you're increasing the area in your thorax um, through inhalation. And then on the exhale, in order for the diaphragm to relax, those ribs need to come in towards each other. So that angle starts to narrow as the ribs come in. And then the diaphragm gets sucked up inside of the rib cage and it domes. Now, if those ribs don't move though, then that means that the diaphragm stays in a contracted state and you don't fully exhale. That's where most of us are stuck. We don't fully exhale. Yeah. So, so now we've said we want to breathe in through our nose, in and out if possible, but definitely in through our nose. And then when we're thinking about our breathing, we want to think about lungs, ribs, and diaphragm. Okay. So those are the most important points. But now when you're thinking about phases of the breath, it's going to be the exhale. I always say the exhale is in the, the money is in the exhale because- Yeah, the, the exhale is so underrated um, and so is carbon dioxide, so underrated. We think it's just a waste product that it's not important to respiration. But the exhale is actually as important to respiration as the inhale. You can't use the oxygen that you take in if it's not being exchanged with carbon dioxide. It's part of the process of respiration. Yeah. So if you're continually taking in oxygen and you're not allowing levels of carbon dioxide to rise, you're not able to use the oxygen you're taking in. Right. So now we've got three components, right? We've got the breathing in through your nose, um, understanding that we're not breathing into our belly. So we're looking at lungs, ribs, and diaphragm. And then this third piece is focus on the exhale. Right. That's that's it, and then I, I I'm gonna stop here for a second so that um, we can talk a little bit about this. But then I want to take us through a breathing exercise so that we understand what that looks like, and then we also understand where most of us are stuck. Yeah, 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 perfect. Because I think when we're talking about this, I think a lot of people will assume that this is sports related i.e we need to be very mindful about this when we're doing sports but it's not at all is it this is just basic day-to-day life and we kind of lose that thing that we're born with in order to breathe efficiently as we as we grow and evolve right so i think that's that's really important to think about because particularly around stress and sympathetic sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems Breathing efficiently can massively, massively help that. 
Absolutely. Yes. I mean, there have been studies done at 90 seconds of um, functional diaphragmatic breathing uh, can lower your heart rate, your blood pressure and inhibit your stress response, just 90 seconds. So we have this control to go from chaos to calm and it's right, it's right here. It's within us. Right. But most of us don't understand that we have that control. And again, now if we're stuck in an over breathing cycle and we're trying to take deep breaths, then we're, we're not going to be able to really do that job. It's certainly not in 90 seconds. Right. No. So let's look at where most of us are stuck and how we can start to try to breathe better. So I want to I, I want to address this over breathing cycle that we get into when when our ribs don't move, mm-hmm. um, which is where a lot of us end up. We end up with immobile ribs. It can happen for so many different reasons. I gave the examples of you know chronic stress illness or injury that, that cause us to be immobile. Um, and I, I would argue that breathing and posture are absolutely the same thing. Yeah. Uh, the way that you breathe is going to dictate the position of your rib cage. And, um, to understand that if someone were to inhale right now, very v- vertically and like lift their rib cage with the inhale, Mm-hmm. then, I mean, that's, that's what happens to your rib cage. Uh, its position is completely changed by how you breathe. So the position of your rib cage is dictated by the quality of your breathing. And when we think about what posture is, yeah. isn't it all about your thorax? Your rib cage takes yeah. up um, almost 50% of your axial skeleton. Right. So your rib cage is really um, the, the biggest contributor to what your posture is. And again, the uh, position of your rib cage is dictated by the quality of your breathing. So what happens is either we've put ourselves into a posture where we're kind of stuck. So that's inhibited our breathing, or maybe we were under chronic stress that led to a shallow rapid breathing pattern that then created the posture. So it's chicken or egg and it works either way. Right. So now what happens is the ribs don't move. And hopefully um, you guys were understanding when I was explaining how the, the diaphragm is a skeletal muscle that really relies on rib movement for it to function. So the ribs don't move. We end up generally with the diaphragm stuck in a contracted or semi-contracted state. Right. So that's not going to be functional for us to be able to take in um, full breaths and definitely let out full exhales. So in order to keep us alive, our bodies are like, all right, I'll adapt. We'll, we'll make this work. So we're going to recruit accessory breathing muscles um, from our upper body to lift the rib cage, to help pull the air in because the diaphragm isn't part of the equation anymore. So that means we start to recruit our pecs. So our chest muscles, our anterior shoulder, the front of our shoulder, our necks, um, our upper backs, because all of these muscles are involved. Remember when I said inhale vertically, those are all the muscles that turn on to lift all of that up. And now remember that we take upwards of 20,000 breaths a day. So all of those muscles now unbeknownst to most of us are firing 20,000 times a day. (laughs) So it's going to create not just a sense of chronic stress, but also chronic tension in Mm. those areas that are, it's a vicious cycle because it's going to lead to more immobility. That's going to make it harder for you to access your rib cage and your diaphragm. So um, what we need to do is get us out of this upper chest oriented pattern, because also that just feeds the inhale. Remember I said, those ribs need to be able to come in um, and that infrasternal angle narrows for the diaphragm to dome and relax. That's mm-hmm. the exhale. Yeah. We're not able to exhale. Remember also how I had said that we need carbon dioxide in order for respiration to happen. Yeah. So what happens is we're stuck in this shallow um, upper chest oriented adaptive kind of compensatory breathing pattern. And we're inhaling more than we're exhaling, Right. which, and not to go too deep on you, but there's a, there's, there's science behind all of this. The, the, the body is such an amazing machine. So we have in our brainstem, these things called chemoreceptors and their job is to tell us when we actually need to inhale. Their job is to make sure that we're still breathing. 
Yeah. Now, since we've been in this upper chest oriented, shallow breathing pattern, they've become desensitized. Well, actually oversensitized, excuse me, oversensitized to any sort of rise in carbon dioxide because they're not used to that because we're right. constantly inhaling. So now, as soon as we start to get these increased levels of carbon dioxide, because maybe we paused or you know we, we slowed our breathing down, there's this, this kind of frantic message that goes to our brain that says, no, 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 you need to inhale, inhale. Right. So it, it kind of holds us in this cycle. So in order to train our breath and get out of this, we have to actually start to exhale more and to tell ourselves when we start to get that message to take in more air, yeah. that it's okay. It's all right. We're fine. So that we can get those chemoreceptors to come back to a sense of regulation and, and not be overreactive to rises in carbon dioxide. And I know I've put a lot out there. Does it, and is this making sense so far? It makes, it makes perfect sense. And I just keep coming back to what you said earlier around it just, it just connects so many things for me because just from the diaphragmatic breathing element and your posture. Okay. So let's say for argument's sake that a lot of people listening to this have desk based jobs. Okay. And if you're sitting at a desk all day and you're hunched over, your rib cage is not going to be in its most optimal position. Therefore, your diaphragm is not going to be in the best position. And you're, like you said, you're going to be recruiting all these other areas, all these other muscle groups to breathe. And I just think that really joins the dots for me from a, a mobility standpoint as well, because already then you're inefficiently breathing. You're using other areas of the body that are, will help you, but are not optimal. And so once you start to kind of sort all your posture out and you start to be aware of your breathing, I mean, that must be so huge for, for, for people's just general daily lives and health once they understand that. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, yes. And we're, we're just even just scratching the surface. So I'm so glad that you brought up, you know, that, that kind of desk bound posture, because there's even more to the diaphragm in terms of being a postural and a core muscle that has an right. influence on that. And again, it's like this vicious cycle, because if you're in that posture, um, you're, you're feeding your breathing pattern to hold that posture yeah. um, in a very dysfunctional way. And that's because, so I mentioned how the diaphragm attaches to your ribs, which mm -hmm. I think most people realize, but there are two things that a lot of people don't realize is that the diaphragm also has a major attachment to your lumbar spine. So your low back. Right. And here's the really interesting part. Um, here's, here's where you can tell I'm really a nerd about this because I think it's fascinating. <laughs> no, it's really cool. Yeah. So the, the really interesting part is that at that attachment, at the diaphragm's attachment to your lumbar spine, yeah. it intersects with our psoas major, which is our primary hip flexor. Right. Okay. So it intersects with our psoas major and in cadavers. So in dead people, they are not able to dissect the two because they essentially become like one muscle at that attachment, right. which means the tension or lack thereof feed off each other, right? Mm -hmm. So now think about this. When you're in that seated position, right? Your, your hips are flexed. Yep. So those hip flexors become shortened and tightened, mm -hmm. which means that they're going to have tension at your lumbar spine, at that yep. attachment where they intersect with your diaphragm. And then let's go back to what state is your diaphragm stuck in mm -hmm. when you're in that position. So your, your diaphragm, remember, is stuck in a contracted or semi-contracted state. A contracted muscle is tense. Yeah. So they are just feeding tension into each other, mm. which makes it so much harder to break out of that state. And so I'm sure so many of your listeners have tight hip flexors. Yeah right? They have upper body tension from the, the breathing pattern that we've discussed in the posture that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And then also tight hip flexors, again, from the breathing pattern we've discussed yeah. in the posture that comes with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just amazing. I mean, what, what I was thinking about there was that, you know, this is pre anybody getting uh, or facing any injuries, right? So, you know, already, you're kind of on a downward spiral, right? With all these things that are, that are happening in the body, just because a lack of awareness um, in your posture and your breathing 
it just kind of and if you think about that really you know people would probably go through this for about 20 odd years of their life okay until they actually get injured you know and i guess with with sportsmen as well um that they probably try and optimize their posture and their breathing but but then the performance gains that they would get off the back of understanding this are huge oh absolutely well so so if we're you know talking about posture and movement let's take it a, another step further and um remember uh, a lot of this is happening because your rib cage is not moving, right? right. Your rib cage isn't moving. We, the rib cage needs to move to facilitate the contraction and relaxation of the diaphragm. And one point that I want to make that I should have made before is when we talk about diaphragmatic breathing, I, I tend to put the word functional in front of it because I want people to understand that all functional breathing is diaphragmatic. Yeah. We should, it's your primary breathing muscle going back to the bicep. That's like saying that, um, you know, I only use my bicep for deep elbow flexion because people, <laughs> you know, they think that yeah. the diaphragmatic breathing is only deep breathing. Yeah. No, your yeah. diaphragm should be involved in every breath you take Yeah. with few exception. There, there is an exception to this rule. Um, the reason that we can breathe in this upper chest oriented pattern is because it's an adaptive pattern. It's not a pattern we're supposed to live in, but it's an adaptive pattern to keep us alive in instances when we don't have access to our diaphragm. Mm -hmm. And so the, the instances would be when you're sprinting and a sprint, yeah. right, is a very short time period. When mm -hmm. you're sprinting, you're not going to get as much of that rib cage movement, movement to facilitate diaphragm contraction and relax relaxation, although there will be some. Um, but you still need to breathe. So you're going to be able to use these muscles to do that. The important thing is as soon as the sprint ends, you go back into functional diaphragmatic breathing as opposed yeah. to being stuck there. And then I do a lot of work um, with special forces and the military okay. um, and um, first responders. And think about all the gear, the packs, yeah. whether it's bulletproof vests or, um, you know, the, the giant backpacks they have to carry that really restricts any kind of rib cage movement. Yeah. Right. And they yeah. need to, they need to be able to stay alive. So they're going to have these adaptive patterns that are going to allow them to breathe. But when they take off the bulletproof vest and the packs and, and yeah. all of that stuff, they need to be able to come back to a functional diaphragmatic breathing. So for the rest of us who sit at a desk, yeah, you know what? Sometimes we're going to be in a posture at our desk that isn't going to allow us to breathe as functionally as we might. Mm -hmm. And so we may go into one of those adaptive patterns. It's not great to do that, no. but let's say it happens. Okay. But as long as we have, as you've been pointing out, kind of that conscious awareness to check in yeah. with our breath, when we get up from the desk, let's go back to functional breathing. Let's make yeah. sure that we're breathing the best that we can. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. So, so now, now we understand that and people listening have gone, have got a bit more of awareness around that. So how can we start to, on a daily basis, improve our breathing, which improves our posture or improve our posture to improve our breathing? What type of things would you recommend that we start to just, just basically put into our daily routines? Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, and, and as I had said before, I want to take you through a quick breathing exercise so that, yep. and it's what you would be doing, um, you know, for yourself on a daily basis. And, uh, but I do realize that I went on my own tangent to explain, um, to explain that last point. And I, I, I didn't come back to what I did want to tell you guys about, um, about movement. Uh, so, cause we had talked yeah. about breathing being posture and the tie-in with the hip flexors. I wanted to address rotation right. and when, when we rotate, we should be aware that we should be rotating from the middle of our spine. And, um, and in, in pro sports, we call it T-spine rotation. Mm -hmm. So maybe people have heard that T-spine rotation just stands for thoracic spine and it's the middle of your back. And we should be rotating from the middle of our back. When we get into trouble right. and we pull our, our backs is when we're rotating from our low back instead of our right. mid back. Because your low back is meant to be stable. Um, yeah. It's not meant to rotate. And so I'm sure there are plenty of people, myself included, who have herniated a lumbar um, disc because of rotating from your yeah. low back. It's, 
it, it can happen so easily if we don't have that function of, of our T-spine. And what's funny is, um, especially in working in pro sports, before I started to go down the road with, with breathing and understanding it as a movement pattern, I, I you know, would do these exercises for T-spine rotation that didn't cue anything to do with breathing or rib movement. And now, I mean, I really literally, it's like a face palm now that I know what I know because what attaches to your thoracic spine? Your ribs. Yeah. Your ribs attach to your thoracic spine. Your thoracic spine is not going to rotate independent of your ribs. There's <laughs> no possible way, right? Yeah. So if our ribs are stuck, how are we going to rotate from the middle of our back? We're not. No. And so when we're, when our body is calling, when we call upon our bodies to rotate, mm -hmm. it's our body's going to oblige and do you know, what it can. And we don't have ribs attached to our lumbar spine. So it's going to try to rotate from our low back. And then that's right. when, you know, we're going to be playing golf and we're going to wrench our back because yeah. we're not rotating from the right spot. And it all comes back to these immobile ribs that are part of a movement pattern, which is the act of breathing that's happening 20,000 times a day. And we're just not doing it right. So it, it virtually impacts everything. Yeah. So I just yeah. wanted to make that point, get people mm. to start understanding. Cause when I say breathing is a movement pattern, yeah, you know, yeah. what does that mean? So, so now that you know what it, that it's a, a movement pattern, we want to treat it as such. So we want to treat it as an exercise that we do on a daily basis. And, um, I like to take, because I want to do it for both physical and mental benefits. Yeah. Um, I like to do this exercise that's six breaths Okay. At a pace, at a pace of five, seven, three, and that's a five count inhale, okay. a seven count exhale, mm -hmm. and then a three count pause after the exhale. Now that pause, I always put an asterisk next to it because if you, if you're exhaling for a seven count and you can continue to exhale, when I say pause, continue to exhale through the pause, because remember money's in the exhale. And what we're trying to do is retrain right. ourselves from a physical standpoint to be able to get those ribs to come in back and down and let the diaphragm relax. But then from a physiological standpoint, we're trying to get those chemoreceptors I mentioned in our mm -hmm. brace, uh, our brainstem to calm down and be okay with this rise in carbon dioxide. Right. Right. So five, seven, three, and then I, I have us do this. Um, you can do this from any position. Virtually yeah. you could be seated, standing up, um, I, you can be lying down. If I'm doing it in like a, um, an exercise setting, I do it from a position I call a breathing bridge, which okay. is almost like a glute bridge position. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're on, you're on your back on the floor and you're lifting your hips just a little bit off the, the ground. Um, and there's, there's a reason that that that's kind of the optimal position for, for doing this. Um, but it still works just to do it from a seated position. And, and that's right. what I'd like to do right now is have us, okay. you're in a seated position. You're going to place your hands on your lower ribs. Um, yep. so the ribs where you can feel, and you should actually take your fingers and just feel the edge of that infrasternal angle that split. Yep so that yep. you know where that is. And then just lay your fingers across your ribs so you feel your ribs underneath okay. your hands. Yep. And, th and then you're going to start with an exhale. So this exhale that we do to kind of set the foundation doesn't count for our six breaths. Okay. It's just an exhale. You're going to exhale and try to get all of the air out. Remember, ideally we're gonna do this out of our nose. We're mm -hmm. definitely gonna inhale through our nose. So we exhale let all the air out and treat it like a core exercise. I, you should yeah. feel your obliques. You can turn definitely, on. definitely feel. Yeah. Good. Then slow inhale. And hopefully your hands start to move out with your ribs and then exhale for seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, pause, two, three, then inhale two, three, four, five, exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, pause, 
two, three. Inhale, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Pause, two, three. Inhale, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Pause, two, three. Inhale, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Pause, two, three. Last time, inhale, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, pause, two, three. And then you can let yourself come back to yeah. hopefully a, a better, a more optimized breathing pattern, but right. more of your regular breathing pattern. And you'd want to practice that consciously okay. at least once a day. Okay. And really focus in on that rib movement. Treat it more like a core exercise yeah. than a breathing exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, the, the muscles, you could feel the muscles tensioning up. But what I was quite surprised about is that the, 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 the rib, set, rib cage really expanding. I didn't expect it to move as much as it did. It was almost like someone's kind of prizing it apart, but in a, quite a, a big way which is quite, quite interesting. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's wonderful that you did experience that. I want, I want to be clear for some people who might've tried that yeah. and they're like, my ribs really didn't move much. Yeah. Um, as you had pointed out, I mean, this could be five, 10, 20 years of being in the breathing pattern that you're in. And sometimes it takes a little bit of work. And I have seen all variations of, you know, being stuck in breathing patterns. And what I can tell you is that, give it two weeks, do this yeah. every day, yeah. give it two weeks, and you're going to notice a change. And there are measurable changes now, um, it, like from a physical standpoint, but there are also you'll notice um, uh, psychological and physiological stuff too, because as, as, as much as we were just training our breathing, and it felt kind of like a core exercise, as I yeah. had directed you where you're turning your core on, you're still getting that same physiological benefit. Mm -hmm of having functionally breathed. Cause did you notice how as much as there was work when you were done, there was still that sense of yeah. calm. I did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's really neat. Now, what I also want to stress is that I'm not expecting you to be using your abs to breathe all day long. This is, this is a training exercise to restore that mobility yeah. of your ribs um, but then when, when you're on autopilot and you're breathing and you're in a functional pattern, you're going to be not very aware. No. Oh, I apologize. I, I don't know if you can hear my dogs. I have five rescue dogs. Um, and I, I think they heard someone outside, but, um, you're, yes. Yeah, so you, you're not going to be as aware of that mm -hmm. rib movement, but what yeah. I want to make sure that you start to become aware of is those times when the breathing is really in your upper body and there's movement in your shoulders, your neck, your collarbone, that shouldn't be happening. No. It shouldn't be vertical. Um, but one of the things that I do in professional sports to get, to get buy-in really from the athletes so that they understand that this really works is I will do a measure of internal and external shoulder rotation before we do our breathing exercise. Okay. And then I'll remeasure it. And they can increase by about 30 degrees just That's in mad. one set of crazy. five or six breaths. And do you understand why that happens? No. Okay. So remember, we take up to 20,000 breaths a day. Yep. If you're in that compensatory upper chest breathing pattern, you're recruiting muscles that aren't supposed to be breathing for you. So that's anterior shoulder, pec, neck, upper right. traps, so upper back. Those aren't breathing muscles, but you're using them as breathing muscles and they're firing 20,000 times a day. So now you've created this chronic tension. Okay. 
So as soon as I stop that from happening and I bring the breathing back to the primary breathing muscle, that tension goes away. It's gone. And that's why there's this immediate change in shoulder mobility. If we were measuring T-spine rotation, same thing would happen. Immediate change in T-spine rotation. The other cool thing is, remember what I told you about the hips, Um, how the diaphragm integrates with the, the psoas, so the hip flexors. I can show an immediate change in internal hip rotation as well by changing your breathing, no stretching involved. So it, I mean, showing that to athletes, I can get immediate buy-in with, with folks at home. I mean, you can do the same thing. See how your shoulders feel, you know, do some arm circles beforehand, do some arm circles afterwards, do some rotation beforehand, do it afterwards notice the changes in your body because it's also only going to increase your own body awareness. And the more we're aware of how our body works and feels, then the better we're going to control it. Yeah. I I think, I think that that point alone for me is so profound because generally as humans, we always love to look for the complicated and what you've explained is very complicated. However, the practice of how you implement this is relatively straightforward, right? And the benefits are just huge. I mean, I work with so many guys who have tight hip flexors. It seems to be, you know, the guy thing, they have just constantly tight hip flexors. And just by doing that breath work to get that mobility, because I mean, the hips are so, so important, you know, that that's just incredible. So for the, for the guys that listen at home, obviously you've given them a, a, you know, a practice that we can try in the morning and I do breath work in the garden in the morning. So I will change my breath work now as a result and I'll start using this practice. But what other tips could you recommend that people are listening, listen to the podcast today that could, they could implement into like a daily routine? Well, so um, again, being conscious of your breathing and, and doing this five, practicing this yeah. five, seven, three, I mean, one way to do it, um, which is, I, I also do this is do it before you get out of bed, have it okay. be, you open your eyes. I mean, it's literally 90 seconds because five, seven, three is 15 seconds for each breath. Yeah. You take six of them. That's 90 seconds. And research has shown that that's what elicits your relaxation response. So that, you know, it down regulates your nervous system. <laughs> Um, again, sorry with the, with the (laughs) puppies, but, um, so, so you, you'd be wanting to do that. You can do it in the morning at those times at your desk, when Mm -hmm. you start to notice your posture changing, absolutely do it then. And then if, um, and I hope it is, if fitness is part of, you know, exercising as part of your regular routine, then add it to your warm up. And if you're doing it as a warm up. I would recommend that breathing bridge um, that I was talking about. So it's same thing. You're still going to have your hands on your ribs mm-hmm. um, in that position. It's just that you're supine. So you're on your back and you're going to start with that exhale that we started with where you're setting the foundation. So you exhale, you'll feel your core engage, and then you use your glutes to um, posteriorly tilt your pelvis, which means you're just trying to, it's almost like you're tucking your, your tail bone yeah. under as you lift your hips up three or four inches and then you hold that position and you take your six breaths like that okay yeah and so adding that into your and that's where i've seen it make the biggest difference because of because of the context of my work right working Mm. in professional sports i put this in all of the warm-ups of all of the athletes that i work with regardless of sport and this is where I've come up with that two weeks that I said, where you actually see a change. So if we're measuring, let's say it's a hockey goaltender and we're measuring the differences in his internal hip rotation. I know that even though we see a big difference right away, he doesn't own that because again, he's been stuck in this breathing pattern for so long, but within two weeks, that's that starting point of internal hip rotation measurement starts to look more like, the end point that yeah. we saw at the very beginning, because now you start to own the pattern, which means now you know that you're breathing better overall because it, it's noticeable throughout your body. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would love to, I mean, I'm just conscious of time, but I'd love to, to delve off into the realms of sleep because I would imagine that once you master this consciously in the day, the impacts on sleep must be huge. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
it, so, it is for sure. Donna, before I let you go, um, obviously you've got lots of um, programs and books and stuff out like that that the listeners could go and look up. So where could people connect with you, have a look at your stuff online? Uh, my website is mobilitymaker.com. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm on social media, most mostly on Instagram, and that's at Mobility Maker. And I do have a Breathe Better 101 uh, online okay. program that is not just for athletes. I, I did it for everyone. I even mm-hmm. talk about the impact of breathing on autism because my my son is on the autism spectrum, and right. and if you want to talk about having a profound impact. Um, using breathing in his therapy had a profound impact. It's incredible. And I I do tell that story um, in, in that program, but I share all of the exercises that we've Mm -hmm. discussed. I share the breathing bridge in there. Um, And, and I'd be happy to uh, provide a a discount code for, um, yeah. So we can provide a discount code to put in the show notes. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Absolutely. Um, but I, I do so uh, much on social media in terms of offering free um, access to exercises. So I don't want it to seem like I'm trying to no, sell no. Um, your folks on the program, but I, I do want them to know that, yes, I put out this information because breathing is a superpower and it's, it is science, but it's not rocket science. So we should all have access to it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, right? You know, you clearly have gone into great depths to understand the science and everything else behind it, but the actual implementation of it is quite straightforward, isn't it? So yeah, I really, really appreciate your time today. Super, super interesting coming onto the podcast. And so before I let you go, is there anything that I didn't ask you, which you feel I should have asked you, which would benefit the listeners? No, I mean, I, I think we could have an entirely second podcast yeah, I, <laughs> where I we agree. just talked 100%. about the yeah. physiological um, impact and in, in the impact on our psychology. I, I mean, the impact on our ability to regulate ourselves and, and just for mental performance. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all, especially as we're aging, we all want to be sharper. And this is a key component um, to that. And actually, I'm, I'm working with a neurofeedback, a neuroscience company wow. um, that makes a neurofeedback headband. Yeah. And, um, and I have um, breathing protocols in the app for this headband and you can measure the impact on your brain state. It's, oh, wow. And this is accessible for everyone. So yeah. it, it's called Focus Calm. And, um, and actually my stuff is all being put in the app in May. So Amazing. that's, that's something neat that, that people might want to look into because then you can actually see in real time yeah. what the breathing is doing to your brain yeah. state. It's fascinating. Yeah, that does sound fascinating. Like you said, I'd love to have you back on the podcast again. I think we could do so many more episodes on sleep, on, you know, performance and yeah, it's, um, but no, I really appreciate your time today, Dana. And, um, we'll put that, uh, discount in the show notes and we'll link to all your stuff in the show notes but yeah thank you very much for coming on the podcast thank you thanks for listening to the fitter healthier dad podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please hit subscribe and i would really appreciate if you could leave a review on itunes all the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes and a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.